Ruiz. Daniel Marlon! Wonderful! Fantastic from Royce. Jude Bellingham, that's excellent. Jude Bellingham, this is absolutely brilliant. Jude Bellingham! Absolutely magnificent! Rina, brilliant from the American. Just like that. Best of clearances! Oh, what a volley! Matt Hummels! Grant in for Holland! Like he's never been away! The man in front of goal who is simply deadly! Hey, welcome to the BVB Podcast. My name's Jake. I am joined, as always, by Carver. And we got a special guest today. Uh, hopefully you're a little, little familiar with him. You should be a lot more familiar with him more so than us, but he has been a guest on the podcast a couple times. He jumps in with his uh, awesome Dortmund women's updates, so we're super excited to have him joining us for the full episode this time. Adam, how are you doing, man? How's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm all pumped now that I heard that great intro. I love <laughs> it. It just sets the mood. I'm well, ready to go now. I'm glad you're pumped now, but very soon we're going to have to edit that and uh, take out some of those players and exchange those for <laughs> yeah. some other highlights from the season, and we won't be able to hear that awesome, like he's never been away. Yeah. <laughs> Much longer because uh, uh, which we're gonna get into this episode a lot, a lot happening. Obviously, we're gonna recap the three to one. We won three to one, right? It feels like yeah. so long since we played. Yeah, I know. It's uh, been three, the- three to one game over the weekend uh, versus Firth, and we will do our predictions against the la- or for the last game of the season against Hertha Berlin. Um, and then the big news: we uh, got confirmation that Holland is officially out the door. Uh, whether you're excited or sad. We'll get into it, all of it. And then, of course, today, uh, shout out to Dortmund for making announcements the day we record podcasts. It makes us look really good. Instead <laughs> of us sitting back and being like, well, hopefully we get an announcement. Or yeah. like, by the time this comes out, we might have some other news. But we have, have the official news that Adeyemi is officially a Dortmund player. So, uh, yeah. Carver, how are you feeling? It is just so much to unpack. It's been an, a very eventful these last few days. And, it's been a bittersweet last few hours as a Dortmund fan. You know, you get to see, you know, it's sad to see Holland go and, you know, the announcement for him today. And then within, what, maybe an hour and a half after that, you see the announcement for Adeyeda coming in. So, yeah, a lot of mixed of emotions. Excited to get into it. Any initial thoughts from you, Adam? Um, I guess my initial reaction is that we had so long to plan for this. It almost just felt inevitable. Like when, yeah. when was it going to finally be announced? So I found myself, uh, uh, shocked by how little feeling I had about it, which I don't know, was a little bit of a bummer considering how impressive his, his stint here was. Yeah, it, it is sad to see him go, you know, he's such an incredible player and not only that, he's an enormous figure and just an enigma as well. I mean, the Holland brand is just nothing short of just, you know, world-class. It's, it's, he's just taking the world by storm. And, but it also is a bit of a relief to kind of end this circus of media speculation early, you know, it was, I was dreading another Sancho saga with just spending like, and we already since the beginning, everyone was trying to rumor Holland around for the last two and a half years. But really whenever Sancho had that last or so season with us, it was just day in and day out of new rumors. So, Thankfully, we kind of got that out of the way and, you know, we could stop spreading all this nonsense around Twitter and other social medias every day. And also, it's exciting to see us look into a new direction. You know, I think we looked really one dimensional with our attacks these past season or so with Holland going forward. And now we can hopefully shed some new light on some new philosophies in our game. So, um, I know. So one we did have a we'll go through Twitter questions and specifics a little bit later. But of course, one question we had was uh who's coming in for Holland and uh, any 
ideas or, or speculations because we had the conversation with Josh a couple weeks ago about Adeyemi is he's he's not the replacement. I think that's something some people were worried about. That if we're signing Adeyemi, you're like, do we really need him? We we need a replacement for uh, Holland, but it looks like he's honestly not that replacement. He's going to be more of a winger, like an attacking winger role, which is what he does. So, which we kind of need to strengthen strengthen in that area, which. Uh, we might get into a little bit later, but as far as looking ahead and uh, looking at potential incomings for a striker, Adam, I'm curious uh, if you had any thoughts on the uh, potential names we've seen it. Yeah, I, I'm curious, like how many? Oh, he's not a Sancho replacement, and oh, he's not a Holland replacement. Players we're going to collect. I mean, yeah. I guess Malin was supposedly not directly a replacement for either one and now Adiemi maybe not I don't maybe he is more the the Sancho role that that uh we envisioned but in terms of striker replacements uh there's a lot of unproven names out there that I I, I would be honest to say that I don't know a ton about uh was Adam Hlosek um from isn't he from Sparta Prague or something like that like I couldn't tell you anything about him really mm-hmm. um one name that I've been excited about for years that has actually uh, been rumored the last couple of days is Sebastian Hilaire. Mm-hmm. I love him. I loved him since the days in Eintracht. One thing that really uh, excites me about him is because he's actually excelled in the Bundesliga, yeah. left the Bundesliga, realized that maybe the grass is a little bit greener in the Bundesliga. And maybe that means he's a long-term option for us and not another player looking for a stepping stone. Absolutely. Yeah. And it sucks to see that, you know, he didn't really flourish that well at West Ham, but I think that definitely could be an answer for, you know, taking maybe that next step in his career, especially with 10 hag leaving, maybe he could be looking at another destination to kind of give him that next step. So yeah, going back, it, it is interesting to see, you know, neither Adeyemi or Malin have been direct placements for either of those two players in Holland or uh, Sancho. And it's it's just interesting how we're going to go forward now with, you know, the players we're going to sign. I've been saying even before Adeyemi, the last few weeks, I think our number one priority should be a number six, which we should get in where we will get into. But yeah, I, I haven't seen much of Salzburg play much at all this season, to be honest. I've only re- read and seen bits of and pieces of Adeyemi online, but you know, start with a few positives. Adeyemi, 22 goals this season, lightning pace, terrific technical ability, and great in tight sp- spaces, and also is obviously ice cold in front of goal at times, or at least on his day. And he's also similar to Malin in the sense that you know neither of them are afraid to shoot. I know you and I, Jake, usually are giving props to Malin for having a go, unlike a lot of, or, and having a go for uh, shooting on goal, unlike a lot of our attackers. Usually they're kind of trying to walk it into the net, which I think is going to help a lot with more of our direct playing style, which I think benefits us a lot more. And, uh, you know, it gets, you know, tests the keeper, creates some chaos in the opposition six yard box, and hopefully can score more goals. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty excited for Adiemi. I mentioned it before last, last week, maybe we were talking. Um, but as far as, in, in that role, if he's not the striker, if we get another striker, then it's really exciting. Uh, if he was the central striker, maybe not so much. That's where I was kind of leaning, like, do we need him? Do we need to sign him? But I think on that uh, little wider position, like, I, I am excited for him. I have watched a lot of Salzburg because for Brendan Aronson, I'm a big Brendan Aronson fan That's fair. Boy. That's fair. So, uh, he is a baller. So anytime, anytime people were, like, on Twitter, like, I try... I, I'm always up in the Twitter. I usually don't partake in the Twitter beef, but I just read it all and it gets to me. Mm-hmm. But anytime people are like, oh, you don't even watch out of Yemi, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, actually, I have watched a lot of him. 
I am excited for him. <laughs> uh, so it, it's going to be exciting and cool. Uh, back to the Holland thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm because uh, I know I think we started with Holland and then we just kind of that's we we all did it though. I'm not blaming. <laughs> uh, it's probably my Way fault to host too. Jake. I, I asked. I well, I, I think I, my first question to Adam was even like, "Oh, what do you think of Holland and Ada Yimmy at the yeah. same time?" Um, because it has been this weird season where uh, I know a lot of the sentiment from a lot of fans are like uh, good, good riddance. And you yeah. talked about the, the media circus and everything. Um, I just hope I, I don't want this. I feel like a lot of that comes from this season, him being injured so much mm-hmm. and people almost hanging it as him not caring. And I just don't see that at all. And I, I feel like he's tried to play through injuries um, it's really unfortunate that this is how his season ends, and we we missed out on just Reina too. We missed out on that partnership, the Reina and Holland partnership. Um, and so, I just really hope people give him still still are still fans of him moving forward because what I mean, he's been an amazing striker. His goal to game ratio is 80, just eighty five goals in eighty eight games. And and everyone to every, anyone who's like, well, good riddance. Like, can we replace those goals? Like, I know he played like pretty much half the season this year and still gave us what was like 23 goals, 22 goals, something mm-hmm. like that. Like that's no, no one else is close. Like how, how are we going to replace those goals? That's what I'm concerned about. And I just w- hope people give him like the respect. I think he truly deserves and don't just write this season off and, and say good riddance. I'm glad he's out of here. Of course, like we have to move on and we, we can't just be sad that he's leaving. Like we have to progress and we have to figure out how to play without him. But just saying, dude deserves a ton of respect, and I love him, and I'm going to miss him so much. Adam? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. I, hearing you talk about the uh, people you know, thinking less of him because of the injuries, if anything, he's recklessly playing through injury right now to make mm-hmm. sure he can finish the season because uh, he's he's definitely battling some things, but he's in the lineup every time, and and – he probably should be resting right now, particularly ahead of a big transfer, but he's not. So credit to him for that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's reckless. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be giving credit. But, you know, he's he's definitely putting, you know, the team's uh, interest there. He wants to finish well, I think. Like, he, he, there's going to be this big transfer anyway, but he wants to finish well. And I think that that bodes well for the Hertha match, which I know we'll get to. I think he's going to want to make a big final appearance. And... Uh, I think the reason why I felt not not so much sad just because I've been preparing for this and I'm, I'm definitely not happy he's gone, but I think it was Sancho when we had that um, that secret extension that he signed that like yeah. warded off Manchester United for like another year. I made the mistake of falling in love. Like I, I felt like <laughs> you and oh, me both, Adam. He's, he's ours. <laughs> After that, he's pounding the chest. We're like, nope. He's not going to you. He's ours. He is staying. And I shouldn't have fallen for this. And I got burned. I I love Sancho. I would take him back in a heartbeat. But I think that the loss of Sancho burned me a little bit with getting attached to Holland in the first place. And then, you know, I, I have known that he's essentially been gone for, you know, the entire year. We've, we've known this is his last year. So I guess that's why I didn't really feel anything. And it was too bad. Yeah, well said. I I thought the exact same thing, especially I think it was maybe a few months after that, you know, that secret speculation of the extension from Sancho. Yeah, I saw him like kiss the badge, I think on two separate occasions in a matter of like a month or so. And I was thinking the exact same thing. I was falling for him. But I remember texting Carver 
I think it was in the summer. Mm-hmm. It was be, like between seasons. And this was before we're doing the podcast or anything. This was just when, I mean, this kind of what prompted the podcast because I'm like, well, Carver's my only friend that I can text to Dortmund about. And then we're like, I'm sure there's other people who just watch Dortmund by themselves. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, Carver was involved in the fan group and everything, the St. Louis group. And I was just sitting at home watching by myself. So but I was texting Carver, I think when the transfer went down, I'm like, dude, I think, I think he's gone. And he's like, no way, man, he's staying forever. And then like the next day, next morning, I'm like, yeah, man, he's, it's official. He's out. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, uh, it, but at least I mean, I also read that Holland wanted this deal done early this week, so we could proper have a proper farewell on Saturday as well at home in front of the you know yellow wall. And I'm predicting him scoring a brace and really exploding in that game. You know, another Holland hat trick. Yeah. It, uh, hey, <laughs> one, one last Holland hat trick. Wouldn't rule that out either. Would not rule that out either. Yeah, we'll have a few players making their last appearance. I'm sure. Uh, I think Axel Witzel has looked great lately yeah uh which makes me a little a little sad about him leaving except that maybe we'll get to see him in the u.s uh Mm -hmm. so you know hopefully he'll be in the lineup and get a a good send-off too uh we'll have to talk about whether roman berkey is gonna get a look uh i i i'm i don't know did that come in as a question or am i asking it to you guys no no it, it definitely came in as a question and that's something that we were both predicting and hoping to happen which i man i can't imagine a world where that wouldn't happen i mean if hopefully I just the team would be not you know so disrespectful to a man like him who spent so long here and had so many great moments with as our keeper. So, I mean, I, I hope to God that the team gives him the proper send off like we would with plenty of other people, not just you know on the team, but Mikhail Zork as well. Is you know that's his last season with us as well. So I would imagine a send off for him too. Hopefully, I was predicting a tifo for uh, for Zork on the Sid uh, Tribuna. They did. I mean the. Official Dortmund socials were posting something about him, mm-hmm. uh, a send-off for him. So, I mean, that's going to be in there. They didn't, I mean, there was nothing about Holland, but I don't think Dortmund's even officially said anything about Holland. Um, so maybe that's something we'll see a little bit later. Yeah. yeah. I know something came out from Man City, but it seemed like not everything was quite finalized yet. Like, mm-hmm. it's happening, but it's not official, official. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see this Saturday. I know um, us being in St. Louis, obviously that's – we're hoping to see Berkey one more time, and not just us as Dortmund fans, but – Everyone in St. Louis is like, oh, let's, I hope I can See watch him. In action. Yeah, yeah. Before, he, before he comes our way uh, in the summer, which is going to be, I mean, we t- that, that the day they announced it, I'm mean, a we'll, little flashback to the day they announced it, like, my phone was nuts. I do, like, a St. Louis soccer podcast mm-hmm. here, too, so I'm, like, back and forth on all the Twitter accounts. Everyone's, like, tweeting me on both, like, both sides, and Carv and I, uh, I don't know, we were able to do the episode, like, right after the announcement, which was Super cool, and the that was a fun episode. Yeah, yeah, it, it it was awesome. That was awesome, and uh, yeah, that, that that was just such a nuts day. I was on my phone for like four hours straight, like just trying to catch up with everything. <laughs> Thing is, I don't think he's gonna play. Yeah, you don't think this, I, this Saturday or he didn't, he didn't make the trip to Firth. Like he actually had to come out and say in the media that he hopes he'll play. I don't think it's gonna happen. I, there's there's something going on here. Like he's. He's so like out of like the team that I don't know if it's going to happen. Even our, I think even our U23 goalkeeper got in the squad before Berkey as well. And, and I've, I've thought that the exact same thing for the last few years. I mean, I don't think anyone has official like sources that, you know, lists what happened to him behind the scenes. Cause I think it might've been a few different factors for Berkey, but it is, it is wild to see how he's went from our number one to number four or even five it's 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 pretty concerning almost, but 
Did he go to he Bayern? Recently was, he recently was on the bench um, the first game that Koble was injured, I think. But I think there's been, been other Bayern matches game. that Unbenhaun was ahead of him. Yeah, Drozaka was. was ahead of him in another game. And yeah, obviously hits. So yeah, I'm I'm not convinced he's going to get a run out. Yeah, you know the, the fact that he when he came out and said something that gave me a little more hope. But now I'm looking at your perspective. I'm like, oh man, the fact that he had to say that now now I'm a little more concerned. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, he like he knows something's up. He knows they're going to give him a little send off. But now I'm concerned. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy stuff. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, the last thing I do want to say before we move on from Holland is, do you guys have any predictions on you know? Do you think his career is going to hit the ground running when he runs or when he goes to Man City next season, or do you think it'll might be a slow start and you know it might be frustrating for him because he has to adapt so much to a style like Pep's? I mean, it's nothing like Rose's style, which we don't even know what Rose's style is. But I mean, Pep's is is, is a lot less you know one dimensional with their attacks with Holland. So, what do you guys think about um, his career starting out at City? I. F- yeah, that, that's a good question, because uh, obviously Sancho has had in, uh, his issues with getting into the, the new system at, at mm-hmm. United. And I, I think that Holland is probably a little bit more system agnostic. I feel like you drop him into any system and he's going to score goals. Uh, maybe I'm wrong there. Um, I'm definitely not a, a, a tactician, but you know, Sancho requires a little bit more of a system around him, perhaps. And he had the perfect situation at Dortmund, which was such a disappointment to see him leave that. But I feel like Holland, like every team, like needs to score goals, and he's going to be the guy on top, and he's going to have you know just unbelievable talent around him. And I think the goals are going to come for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing the. Uh, I guess how I think it's more on. On Pep, like you said, I think Holland can drop in anywhere and he's going to be able to produce goals, but it's going to be more on Pep, which obviously Pep is a great manager and a good tactician. Well, sometimes, I guess sometimes he makes weird calls and then yeah. he loses Champions League finals. So we'll see. But it, it's going to be or interesting semis to see. Or quarterfinals. <laughs> see how they, uh, they adjust to having that striker because they haven't. They've done it so well. I mean, they had Ferran Torres... Or this season, mm-hmm. last season, just for it, a little. Bit. I think it was maybe a half a season okay. or so, and and that seemed to not go that well. But I mean, that could be the player too. So, I mean, those, those all those players are so great; they should be able to work with anyone. Um, so it's just, I think it's a matter matter of like kind of restructuring and getting that game plan to feed it to him, or making sure he's in the the right space and area. One thing that was interesting, I, I feel like I've noticed the last uh, few games is him like Holland actually dropping a little bit. Yeah. Um, dropping deep and, and creating chances and getting some assists too, which is, a, I mean, a good, another good dynamic for him to be able to show that, hey, I can also pass the ball and create stuff for other people too by dropping into different space and different areas. Um, so if he can do that, not that he did it bad or anything, but if he mm-hmm. can do that better and really learn that role where I can be the striker, but also kind of the, the Harry Kane situation where he drops back and can be a playmaker too. I don't know if it, he's going to get to that, but maybe under Pep and that kind of system, that's something he can do too. But I think it's more on Pep than Holland. I I don't want to see just City continue to be so, so dominant, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to see Holland continue to do well. So I don't know where that leaves me. <laughs> what, to pile on to what both of you said, I mean, I think it, it is very true that you probably could drop him into most systems and he's going to score goals. I mean, you know, players like Sancho love the guy to death, but I think he did at times, you know, he, he was maybe not uh, suited well for the Premier League 
physicality, you know, right out of the gates. And that is something that Holland definitely flourishes in. I mean, he, he wants that physical, um, uh, opponents on the field and he wants people to kind of back into him so we can outbody them. So it's, I don't think any, he's going to have any problem with that in the premier league with, you know, being physical as well as, you know, people tend to overlook that don't really pay attention to the Bundesliga tend to overlook how well of a playmaker he can be. I'm not by any you know means comparing him to Kane. I think Kane is the best, you know, striker that can pass or best passer striker that I've, I've seen in my lifetime. But Holland, you know, has the ability just to kind of give more of the short passing with his playmaking. So, I mean, I think he provided six assists or seven assists this season and then a handful last season as well. So it's not like he can't dish the ball to other people and be selfless and open up those plays because, you know, so many people are attracted to him on the field and that immediately opens up space for other people. So I think he definitely could adapt to that system well, even though you could adapt or throw him into any system and he would probably do well. Yeah, he's in the top 10 in the league in both goals and assists. And, yep. and that's considering all the time that he lost too. Uh, eight assists this year, six last year. And that's not including, uh, you know, things like rebounded shots or penalties that were won or anything. Transfer market will sometimes include things like that. So, yeah. I mean, he's playmaking, he's scoring. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to really thrive. Sure. <laughs> I don't think I'm going out on a limb there either. No. Yeah, <laughs> I I have to own up. I don't know. Some days I just say really stupid stuff. I mean, it happens probably every episode of this podcast, but I said something about <laughs> I'd rather see him go to City than I think Real Madrid. Oh, yeah. And ever since I said that, I completely regret it. My my <laughs> mindset was, I mean, Man City is already going to dominate like no matter what. So mm-hmm. just if he goes there, it's not going to change much. They're just going to continue to dominate. And I I take back everything I said. I don't know why I want, I don't <laughs> D- dominate in the premier league at least, but I, I, st- I still think there's, you know, other competitions where city still lacks a lot of different things in different areas, but um, I'm hoping Eddie Emmy will have that kind of same, you know, momentum going into our team as well. I, you know, I listed a bunch of the positives about his game, but I've also, and you could maybe attest to this as well. I've, I've read a little bit what people or Salzburg supporters have said about him online these past few months. And you know, $38 million is a pretty darn hefty fee for a player that's really not proven themselves at a top level yet. I think if $38 million isn't our record transfer, it's like top two or top three, if I'm not wrong, for Dortmund. As well as, I mean, he can easily be bullied off the ball, so we're losing that physical presence up top in a player that instills fears, fear in defenders like Holland. And, you know, Malin can be... I love Malin's tenacity and... um persistence when you know when it's an attack but I think Adeyemi can really be bullied off the ball which you know is going to take a the wind out of our sails in certain kind of attacks yeah I think the the amount did seem a little high and it seemed like with all the rumors that we've had over the last months it seemed like that was what Dortmund was trying to bring down the the transfer the the price because it does seem high especially for how young he is and uh, granted, he has. I mean, they had a good run in Champions League this year, and he yeah. did. He did show some really good stuff. His thing is, he's fast. He's so fast that he can work around people. We even saw him. We, if you guys watched it, I watched it. Um, <laughs> uh, when when Salzburg played Bayern in the Champions League in the first game, mm-hmm. uh, second game we won't talk about that one. Um, but first game, like he, he played really well. Aronson played well. Like that whole, it was a really good team performance. But he had some really good moments. And his thing is, he's fast. So if he can. I don't know if he's going to get much taller, but if he can bulk <laughs> up a little bit and and really be able to like be a little more physically demanding and present, um, then then 
ho- I mean, hopefully that's the case. But yeah, his thing is he's fast, and thirty eight was probably a little high because he's so young. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. could you could still be pretty strong, and and you have like a low center of gravity with that size. I mean, Aguero comes to mind for me in those senses. That I can't imagine. I I don't remember too many times where Aguero was like really you know bullied off the ball, and that I saw at least. So, Adam, you have any other thoughts on Adi? I mean, I know we talked about him a lot earlier, but. Yeah, I, I watched, you know, the highlight clips, essentially. I, I didn't watch Salzburg against Bayern because the only thing worse than watching Bayern is watching two Bayerns. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's got great footwork, uh, great speed, obviously. And, and I think that, you know, maybe maybe uh, he'll be the one to challenge Bellingham for the most fouled player on the team because yeah, yeah. there was certainly a lot of that in the highlights. And I mean, I mean, there were some clips where I was like, this is in the highlight clip. There's no way he gets to that ball first, but he did. So, you know, that's, that's something that's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm excited as well. We got three incredible signings, uh, all under 60 million and the transfer window hasn't even really opened yet. So, I mean, and all three are German internationals as well. Again, big overhaul on our defense, as well as bringing in a massive addition for our attack and, it's only May, so now it's just a matter of how we move forward and give Kale the time he needs this summer to really try to fix maybe one or two other holes in this team. Yeah, what do you think comes next? I mean, there's been rumors about um, strikers like Heller, and yep. there's been rumors about Benson Baini uh, as a fullback. Curious what, what you think comes next and if there's the budget for both. I mean, we haven't even sold anybody yet, so yeah, I guess... Yeah. There, there could be more money coming in from like a, a kanji or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. It, it definitely is going to be a big tale this next month or two to see who goes out the door. Like you said, and I, I used to be on the side all of last year. of We need a fullback or a right back desperately. I was, you know, one of the biggest critics of Mounier, but I think he's really proved himself this past season, even though he's been injured the past month or two. And I think we have other bigger priorities like a number six, I mean, you could have two of the best center backs of the league, arguably, and they can still look like poo if they don't have a proper defensive midfielder in front of them to, you know, uh, help slow down attacks, help break, uh, cut passing lanes, things like that. Yeah. In retrospect, how much did that Thomas Delaney departure hurt? Oh, like, I, oh, that, Adam, Adam, I oh. say that every episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we want to move into the game over the weekend? Um. I feel like I had some trend. Well, while you guys oh, okay, were talking, sorry. I was like, well, my other computer with Twitter is like way like three feet this direction. So I was like all the way over here when you guys were talking. And then I uh, forgot. Oh, I was slightly my one concern. We've done so much business already. I'm like, what if we get to the summer and nothing happens? Like, well, I mean, that's that's the thing, though, is I think it's great to get all this business out of the way. So you, you don't have to worry about like the circus of the media and, and all these different, you know, uh, other teams, you know, wanting more money if it's, you know, this time or this part of the transfer window or that part of the transfer window, it's, it's all about business. And I think we got it out of the way and now we can be calm and collected going into the last few things we need. Um, okay. One more question about, cause it's, it's been mentioned so much. I mean, you just mentioned it, but uh, as far as like a six, someone in that position, what are your thoughts on Chan? I'm slightly concerned mm-hmm. that, I mean, Chan, I, I want to give Chan a lot of credit because He's had to play so many different roles, and I yeah. feel like he's done a decent job that I I feel like Rosa trusts him. He feels like he can trust him because he puts him everywhere, um, even when you have some other options. Uh, still throw him at, at right back. I mean, we haven't had a lot of options at right back, but he's he's been able to count on him, I feel like, and that has me slightly concerned that maybe they'll just be 
they might not go for anyone and just count on him, on other people being healthy so that he can play. Adam, do you have any thoughts? I mean, the thing about counting on Chan to play just the number six role is then you lose his versatility to plug him in anywhere, uh, which would then maybe open up additional holes. So maybe keeping Chan as a an option to plug in a lot of different, different places, which I guess it sounds like he doesn't love that role, but is willing to do it. Um, I think that his versatility certainly helps cover up some of the the flaws that he might have because he does save our ass many times that there are times that he makes a a, a play that, you know, a, a rash challenge that puts us in a difficult situation, but there's also so many times that he fills in where otherwise we'd be, you know, totally screwed. Totally. I totally agree. I think he'd be a great addition to our, or not addition, but um, a massive asset next season of, you know, plugging him into a bunch of different areas around our defense inevitably when one gets injured. And I just, I just hope that if he knows that role going forward, he's still okay with it. I know he said he's just happy to kind of help wherever, but I don't know if, you know, he's willing to continue with that role of being a rotation slash not being in his favorite position for, you know, the year or two next year or two to come. So yeah, hopefully he, he can just, yeah, he doesn't get hurt too. So you only uh-huh. have to plan for when he gets the fifth yellow card, yeah. the red card, and maybe the 10th yellow card. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Um, yeah, well we can move on to the, uh, the recap of the first game and we might not linger on this game too much. Usually we can just rant and rave. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was wondering when that was going to happen. You were kind of like it happening. It It was like, (laughs) I'm probably going to leave this in the episode because it's kind of hilarious now because (laughs) what you didn't hear in the recordings is me trying to get ready for this episode was a a mess. I was not ready (laughs) asking Carver and Adam if they're ready the whole time. And now what you just heard was my microphone fell off the mic stand. So um, Carver, I'm going to let you lead into this. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, So lineup thoughts, uh, you know, not really any complaints that I could think of. Back three looked like uh, in possession, Emery Chan back after the week off against Bochum. He had a decent outing. Uh, really our best available at, at, at the moment, given our injury list. I, you know, again, a handful of other players on the bench that normally wouldn't really ever play. And uh, yeah, again, just, I guess I can't really complain too much because we didn't have any other available personnel. Adam? Yeah, it's like that's one of the things about Rose's season. Like you can't even really judge him on lineup selection because the injuries have selected the lineups for him every single week. So I I don't think that there were really any surprises here. I kind of like the back three. Uh, I I don't know. I don't have a reason not to like it yet. Um, I feel like there's just a little bit more stability when you push – you know, Wolf and Guerrero out a little bit wider. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, a player like Chan who is going to clean up some messes uh, behind them. So I'm, I'll be interested to see like with the new players that we're bringing in, if a back three is the plan. I know it's not typically a Rosa thing, but I don't know, some signs seem to be pointing that way. But uh, other than that, I think the lineup essentially picked itself. Yeah. Which you mentioned Guerrero. And I think he finally had a, a decent game, which we've been calling for that for him for, I don't know how long this second half of the season he's been, pretty concerning and you know all the rumors around him speculation of him leaving and stuff potentially but you know thankfully I think he, he came out and performed pretty well which thankfully was in his more natural position he actually had a shot on goal which you know I, that's another thing I wonder about his game is I think Guerrero is can be very deadly in a lot of different areas whenever he shoots him he's got a really good left foot he's he's had I don't know how many different types of goals as a Dortmund player you know whether it's the half volleys or these different chips and low driven shots 
again, creates chaos in the opposition's six-yard box, and it gives potentially an easy tap-in for another player like Brent in this situation. So, um, My mic's back. I'm good. Um, do <laughs> we you- don't want you to talk anyway. You can just keep it off. <laughs> that was just a ploy to get me to not say stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, which is why Adam's here. Um, do you, so do you think uh, Guerrero has been told to like drop off or not attack so much? Because that's one thing I feel like I've noticed over the last few games at least, that mm-hmm. he hasn't been going forward as much. Uh, do you think that's a like a Rosa decision or him being more cautious or I mean is that something you guys have noticed? Yeah, maybe a mix of both, probably. I would argue, Adam. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I haven't noticed him being back more. I don't know if I've noticed him being forward less. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough. Uh, I don't. I don't know his best role. I pretty sure it's not you know a, a left back and a back four. Although he's done that an awful lot for us. I mean, when we're you know, in possession, like 70% of the time, he, he's a totally fine option there. But but I do wonder what his future in this team is, because there have been some rumors about him possibly being a player that is sold because his value is probably higher now than it ever yeah. will be. And uh, maybe he fits in better elsewhere if we're not going to utilize him uh, in, a, in a role that fits his skills uh, more, you know, better. I don't know. I, I don't know... If there is a great future for him, I think that probably is related to the question about what system do they play next year? Like if he's just going to keep doing the same thing, I feel like we're kind of wasting Ravel Guerrero a little bit. He's like a number 10 who's who's over in the the left back spot there. And it, it, it's probably not the best. You know, we have defensive issues. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're all him. Mm-hmm. But I think that having players who, you know, the defense is not there, they're top skill in a back four doesn't really work that well. Yeah, I I agree. And I also, you know, again, I mentioned before that this season, he doesn't have someone like Sancho to play off of. I think that's someone, there's an aspect to his game that really elevated him a lot as having a, you know, kind of a flair and another winger that has a really good technical ability and those, you know, abilities to kind of those little flicks and uh, quick short range one, two passes. And Guerrero didn't really have that too much with other players this season. So I think there's, not only his defensive game, you know, uh, suffered a lot because he was af- asked to put more of into a deeper role with, you know, a manager that isn't that great defensively, but also doesn't have much going forward to kind of give him that support. So, Jake, do you have any other thoughts here? No. Um, well, I was going to give a shout out to Andrew Swan on Twitter, who did ask uh, after yet another lack of physical performance for Guerrero, which I think this one was better uh, mm-hmm. than what we've seen before. But uh, would it be worth to keep Rafa or move him to another position or just move him on? Like you said, um, value wise. Maybe it's the time if we can, but we we need someone else in that position. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's it's tough because I I totally get what you know people are saying too about his, his stock. I mean it is at an all time high, but you know if we're not going in for another proper left back at the moment, I don't really see a better option. You sh- certainly don't want to risk just selling him and not you know putting that money elsewhere and then just having Schultz as your left back. You know, I like you mentioned before the back three. That's something we've been back three fans. Uh, we've been championing that on this podcast, and I think. And so it, it is going to come down to what's is Rosa going to like actually do that? Is that his plan moving forward? We've seen it here and there. We've seen it like a hybrid during matches. Maybe, maybe he's going to lean that way. And maybe that's where Rafa stays and, and plays that back three and he's a wing back. And that's, um, I mentioned, I've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast that Schlotterbeck and Sule both are familiar with playing in a back three. So maybe that is where we're, where we're moving to, but yeah. Right now, we don't know. We don't know what Rose is doing half the time anyway, so it's just going to be interesting moving forward. 
Yeah, I, I think we're going to utilize Guerrero a little bit better as a wing back. I think that that helps, certainly. I don't know if you know making him a number eight is the answer. If we already have, you know, Bellingham in that role and and uh yeah, other players that can play there as well. But you know, if we let Akanji leave, we don't extend Zagadu, that means we are not done and with our center back business if we're yeah. planning to do a back three, because that means we'll have Schlatterback, Sula and Hummels, and uh, I guess Kulabali, <laughs> um, or Namdi Collins. Maybe we uh, mm-hmm. we start you know turning it over to some young players. But uh, Sula has injury issues. Hummels has injury issues. Schlatterbeck doesn't at this point. Uh, I'm hoping that he doesn't catch that when he uh, arrives in Dortmund. Uh, but yeah, maybe we need to be looking for more center backs then. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, going back to back three in this game. I think on our in the first half we had seventy percent of possession, if I'm not wrong. And I mean, said it before. I don't know how many times these last few games, but again, just lack that final pass to create you know those real chances in front of goal and have that killer instinct to put games to bed. And just said, I know we had the the Brant goal early on, but I just I didn't think we looked too convincing in front of goal. Again, just lack that final pass and. Firth had a handful of dangerous counterattacks as well, so it's you know they came to compete. Seems like no matter who we play, it, if if people are playing Dortmund, they they have the mentality of going out and actually trying to get a result against us. It's it's crazy. <laughs> not not even lacking that final pass, but it's just like it seems like a lack of knowledge of what to do. Like they, mm-hmm. it seems like we get in the box or get near the box, and we're just like, well, mm, I guess I'll give the ball away now. Like mm-hmm. I, whether it's it's them getting stopped by a defender because they weren't quick enough to get rid of the ball, or um, I don't know. It's it's just been so weird to see, and we've seen it so much. Like our build up play can be so good, and then our we we can look so good with our quick one two pass passes. But lately, and a lot of the season, it's like we get into the box or near it, and it's just like well, I don't know what to do now. And then <laughs> so we can we can look great in the build up, and then just not even get a shot off or anything. Yeah, it's been awful. Yeah, I mean, there were only four shots on target total, and three of them were the goals, and one of them was Rafa's that was rebounded for a goal. So that was all of the shots on target. And there were only eight shots total, so it's not like there were a ton that were off target. And I feel like there should have been more. If I'm not wrong, I think Royce had a one-on-one, which is his like second one-on-one in the last two games and still just can't put it away, which, I mean, he's just he's so frustrating at times because, again, I think he could be such a clever and brilliant finisher and a brilliant attacker, but he also is just he just has these moments where he completely like mentally switches off or just doesn't have that killer instinct and is like trying to look for someone else to, you know, give it off to. It's like, you, you're the man that can put those away. You know, it's, again, it's disappointing to see him become more and more hesitant and with his chances in front of goal lately. Um, yeah. I mean, we, I don't know the game. I don't know. I don't remember how, how many games ago it was, but the game he scored two and had three assists mm-hmm. and we're like, stop. We went on a big rant about stop talking crap on Marco <laughs> Royce. Give him the credit yeah. he deserves. And now, and then he's just kind of like fallen off a little bit. Like we, we just haven't seen anything from him lately, which has been, uh, I mean, sad. De- <laughs> de- decent passes here and there. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's still picking up assists as well, but just, yeah, I think he's just becoming more hesitant when it comes to actually trying to finish off these chances himself. I mean, on, I know he was injured for a little bit, but that, that's not like a, a rest time, but he's a guy who hasn't really had rest either and that's just due to our injuries and mm-hmm. p- playing every single game and yeah 
I was going to say, Marco Royce is not used to playing this many minutes. Uh, maybe, maybe like he's never actually been healthy long enough to be tired. We might actually be getting to that stage for the, for the first time where we're relying on him so much that, you know, there's been a lot of minutes, every game that he's healthy, he's in. And uh, yeah, maybe it's just taken its toll. I, I'm firmly in the uh, no slander for, for Marco Royce camp. Cause as soon as, any, anybody doubts him, you know, there comes like a goal and two assist performance. So hopefully yeah. we see that on Saturday. Yeah. Yep. Um, there was the, uh, I think it was at the winter break, like halfway through the season, we were going through player stats and he was, I think he was top. He was, it was a distance covered. I think it was in covered top in six intensive or runs. He was, he was like top of the team and real high up in the Bundesliga. So yeah, he, He's running a lot, and he's still running a lot, and he needs a break. And he, yeah, and he's, he's go ahead, Adam. <laughs> he led the team in clearances against Firth, and I'm looking at that. I'm like, what the hell? And I look, and you know, going back as far as we have data, it's the most clearances he ever had in a match. I'm like, what the hell is he doing back there, making all these clearances? It honestly doesn't shock me too much, just because I've said a handful of times this season of how many times we get exposed, and it's just maybe two center backs that are fully back, and you see him sprinting all the way back to. Mm-hmm kind of push the, uh, whatever the opposition player attacking players in the back to steal the ball and get a good recovery and clear it back out. Again, that's that's the kind of players you need in your squad, like him, Bellingham, doing a great job at that. Uh, I mean, yeah, we came, after, came out after the restart in the second half, stepped up our energy a little bit. In my opinion, I think we looked a little bit more urgent and direct in our play, but still just struggling to find that final pass. And uh, Firth's goal, I was re-watching it, and it looked like, Chan tried to set up an offside trap. He kind of stepped to the left real quick, had like a baby step, and then tried to step off. And it looked like he was trying to get, you know, everyone else on the back line on his same page and get that offside trap, but just didn't work well at all. I think Paslak and Schultz were both playing him on, and it just gave them an easy chip, which, you know, just go figure. It's just kind of our back line having more and more mental lapses in their game. Yeah, on that goal, too, I know, I mean, he was pretty much, he was going to score. He was away, and there was not any chance of anyone really getting back to stop him. But one thing I noticed on the replay especially is just immediately you see Akanji and Zagadu just not even try. Like, as soon as the ball goes through Mm -hmm. or over him, like, they just stood there. They just stood there and watched it happen. I was like, you're only, like, four feet away from him, like, you can at least try to put a bot, try to catch up to him. Yeah, both of them look pretty, pretty upsetting to watch. Yeah, both of them look pretty careless in this game. Yeah, well, Kanji, I think it was that made the pass that got picked off too that allowed uh, the attack. And then even with his yellow card later, he just looks like a guy who's done. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I love Akanji. I love him. That's one that I'm going to cry a little uh, mm-hmm. when he leaves. But he looks done. He looks like he's had enough and. I, I I don't think he's not trying, but I just think he's frustrated and is ready for something else. Yeah, I would have to completely agree. And But one thing that's a little confusing to me is I know I, I totally get his frustration, but at the same time, you know, I feel like, you know, he, in his mind, he's probably thinking, you know, I keep getting exposed with, you know, or players around me, excuse me, in my back line, I keep getting exposed for the last three or four years that I've been here. And it doesn't really seem like they're putting much effort into trying to build the defense around me just so like we can try to limit these mistakes. And now it looks like this summer is like the season that we're like finally giving him the resources around him so he can become or elevate his game and elevate everyone around him. And mm-hmm. it looks like he might just be, you know, kind of moving on, which it, it's just sad. 
I would love a back three. Could of you imagine? Akanji, Schlatterbeck, and Sula. Oh my God. Be the wettest defense in Europe, <laughs> in my opinion. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head that would be more wet than that. And it's, it's insane. I mean, I, I have thought about like, how does it feel to be a kanji like over and over here? Oh, Dortmund, if only they had a defense, if only they mm-hmm, had a defense mm-hmm. and it must really wear on you to hear that constantly when you're the, I, I think the best player in that defense, yep. no, obviously the defense is not just the four guys in the back. The defense is the entire team. But when people talk about Dortmund, they talk about the defense and, and I think he becomes a lightning rod for that unfairly. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, yeah, overall, second half, a uh, little bit better. I mean, I know with our second goal, that was much better play. A lot more direct and purposeful in attack, which was, it's funny because, you know, you would expect that to see that more day in and day out with, with Dortmund, but it just at times, again, we're trying to like walk it in the back of the net. Schultz had a good ball. I, I don't think that was kind of like a miscue where you're just kind of passing it wherever and hoping it whatever sticks, but I think you really did like see Brant's run and picked him out well and, no, Again, he, yeah, he, that was one thing that I noticed on the the replay too was watching him make that run. Not Brandt, but Schultz yeah. running with the ball. He's like looking up, looking around, looking at his options. I thought so in that moment he he did really well to assess the best like the best thing and to see Brandt coming in and be, to be able to split the defense yeah uh, to him. And I mean, lucky for Schultz, it was a fantastic touch by Brandt. Oh, it, it was a to, brilliant and, and, and finish to put it away. But yeah, I, I, I don't want to take anything away from Schultz in that moment. Like, did uh, he, he did really well. Yeah, I mean, Brandt's first touch was... Sorry, Adam, go ahead. No, uh, yeah. I, all I was going to add was I, I didn't even think that it was intended for Brandt. I thought that it was it, like Holland was ready to receive it. Mm-hmm. But I think Brandt saw that the, the uh, defender was about to intercept which mm-hmm. meant Brandt was then free so he's come in and at top speed like this is the type of goal i want to like put titanic music behind or something <laughs> and just does at full speed he has that one tap just to knock it into the open yep. space and then he's free and i just thought it was beautiful like it was a great cross by schultz i think that in most cases it's going to get to holland but in this case the defender left uh Brandt alone and went after holland to intercept the ball and he just totally took advantage of it and I think I'm in company, good company here where I'm, I'm a Brandt fanboy. I love seeing him su- uh, succeed. The first goal, you know, is just a tap in, but now he's got a brace and beautiful game for him. Welcome to the Brandt boys to say, podcast. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great first touch and even better finish. That was with his left. Yeah. And, and that's a striker's finish. And to put it in the corner like that at, at that kind of speed with your weaker foot and with such little time and, and you know, it's, also to match his record for goals scored in the Bundesliga. You know, I think it's nine goals now and eight assists, if I'm not wrong, and the nine 10. goals, 10 goals. I think it's nine. Am I wrong? But right. it, it, it did, that, that, that did match his career high, okay. at, uh, not only at Dortmund, but in his Bundesliga career in general. And yeah. uh, random stat. I think they mentioned it in the game in the commentary because I don't know where else I would have seen or heard it. Uh, but he's our leading away scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, and Holland only has like four goals on the road or whatever, but Brandt's... I don't know how many, but he's our leading away scorer, which is a pretty good fact. So anyone who wants to talk crap on Brent, y'all can <laughs> suck it. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you know me, you know I like the hockey assists, you know, the assist before yeah. the, the assist. And Brent is just, since Sancho left, Brent has taken that role of, of uh, second assist king. Yep. He's just constantly piling those up. 
Yeah, I've seen on your and, on your website actually. I mean, he's is involved in well over I think like forty four or forty five percent of our goals this season, right before Holland, if I'm not wrong. So again, he's he's involved in a lot of our success in front of goal. And even though um, I know a lot of people, I know he's been streaky. I understand. Yeah, he he's, has. There's he been has. games where like he's he's non-existent, but this whole team has been like that this yeah. whole season. Yeah. Um. So and he's still giving us some pretty good numbers this season. So I don't want that takeaway. Um. From him this season, and I, I there. It seems like there is maybe talk that he wanted to transfer and get out of here, and I would be upset to see him go. I, yeah. I, I think if we're losing Hazard and, uh, I mean, some other people in, in kind of that that position or uh, just just in our attacking numbers, I would love for him to stay. He's one I would love for him to stay, and who knows? Like, I mean. I guess Reyna is almost like a new signing next mm-hmm. season if he comes mm-hmm. back and if he's healthy, but right. we just have seen so little of him this year. It's like I, it seems like our numbers are really low in those attacking positions. So I, I, really I was, love I was going to argue, I was going to argue the opposite. Actually, I think we finally now without a Yemi have a lot more depth if if our players do stay. I mean, just I mean not not in the striker standpoint, but you know those attacking midfielders slash wingers. You have Malin, you have Hazard, you have Brandt, you have Adeyemi, you have Royce, you have Reyna. All those players, I think, can really help link up our play from uh, different areas of the pitch to hopefully be more deadly in front of goal. Um, and then we had a goal from Paslak. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that before or after Bellingham got robbed for his goal? Do we? I can't uh, remember. Bellingham would have been the fourth. Before. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. You know, decent, decent shot for, you know, Paslak, a right back who doesn't get much of any time and doesn't really ever attack and get in front of goal like that. It was not a bad shot. He got in a great position. Mm-hmm. Royce had just the wonderful assist and it was a Brant pre-assist. Now that we mention it, they, they went back and forth and then Royce shot it off to the side and pass like picked it up and got a, a nice deflection on it, but still a nice goal. Yeah. yeah a little collector's item for pass like that was also his 50th appearance for Dortmund as well, which is, so, you know, it's funny. I think, I think pass like is like 23 and it's just so funny how young he is, considering he's been at Dortmund for I don't know how long now. Right. And it's like he's not even twenty-four. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah, definitely think some things we could take away that we definitely need to improve on. But you know, at the end of the day, three points, and we march on. You know, not our most clinical or convincing opponent uh, performance, but you, you know, the fans kept their energy all ninety minutes. I, I seriously don't think for more than like fifteen minutes that entire game. I heard. The first fans, I, I was hearing all of our chants, which was awesome to see. I mean, again, just them bringing their energy to away stadiums day in and day out, which is this incredible support from all the supporters in Dortmund. So, you know, uh, props to them. Obviously, Brandt with the brace, made full use of his clear goal-scoring opportunities and linked up plays well, smooth on the ball, and uh, equaled his career best uh, goals in the season. So, yeah, I mean, a few positives as well, you know. Yeah. Um, we should uh, move on to uh, some very exciting Dortmund news, uh, which we mentioned before. Anytime you're real sad about the Dortmund men's team, mm-hmm. all you got to do is go watch the women because it's been a fantastic season. Um, and that's why we got, I mean, well, it's not the only reason we got Adam joining us. We love having Adam <laughs> with us. Um, and, and after we did our first episode where you did jump on for a, uh, just the women's segment, we're like, well, we got to get him on for a full episode. Mm-hmm. So thank you for joining us for a for a yeah, full thank episode you. this time. It's been great. Um, but yeah, we got to jump into the women. Um, we have had you on to do some updates before. And when when you came on and actually joined us that one time, it was pretty, I mean, it wasn't early in the season, but there were still 
a lot to to happen with this season. Mm-hmm. So, I, Adam, I'm just gonna let you. For anyone who needs to know about the Dortmund women's team, uh, I mean, we've given I don't know we've talked about um, starting from the bottom, starting uh, and, and mm-hmm. working their way to climb up top. But can you kind of recap this season and uh, why people need to be excited and and uh, yeah, yeah, let, let the people know about the women. <laughs> they're in the the seventh division, which is so impressive that Germany has a seventh division in in uh, women's football, which is awesome. It really is. Uh, and they made that decision because they actually pulled the the fan base to find out if they should start at the bottom or if they should buy the license of another team. And overwhelmingly, the the fans wanted to start from the bottom and do it the right way. We didn't want to, you know, pull a Leipzig or anything. Uh, sorry, pull an RB Leipzig. I, I want to make sure yeah. that I call out the, the club specifically, not the city. Um, so they've been playing in what's called the Kreisliga A, which is the district league. Uh, and there's, uh, an A level and a B level. They are in the A level, which is, um, the seventh tier and that's split into two groups and they play an 18 game season. They have played 17 of them so far. They have won 17 of them. They have scored 141 goals and conceded two. Uh, so they have, uh, clinched the, the top of the, uh, uh, the table there there will be a promotion match against the other group leader which is uh tv brechten uh if i'm saying that correctly that'll be on may 25th uh sorry that's tv brechten 2 the reason okay. that confused me too is they're also in the christ pokal mm-hmm. which is the district cup which they're about to play the final against TV Brechton. So yes, they're playing the cup final against Brechton and the promotion match is coming against Brechton too. So that'll be interesting to, to play both uh, sides from the same team. That would be like, I don't know, a a team playing uh, Dortmund men's team and then uh, the second team and the, the U23 team in, in different competitions. But those matches are four days apart, and they are the two biggest matches for the team. Uh, in the Cup, they have already beaten a couple of teams that, that are at higher divisions. In the Cup final, they're going to be playing the team that is essentially the Dortmund of the level one level up. They have slaughtered everybody. <laughs> they have a huge goal differential. So it's going to be a great test. And it, it's it, it's not a given. A lot of their games this season have been like they're going to win. It's just by how much. These are not a given anymore. Yeah. Either way, I mean, it's still incredible that you know the amount of success and support the women's team has gotten this year. I mean, again, it's, we've been talking about it for a long time. Of the club's been talking about it a long time. Excuse me about finally getting this women's team up and rolling. And you know, now that we've finally done that, they're they're flying and they're playing fantastic. And it's it's cool to see. So. This is just out of curiosity. I know you said the promotion match is coming up. Would that, would that, uh, would that uh, put them in the league above them just by one, or would they go up two divisions since they're playing the top team in the next division? If that makes sense, the top team in the next division is in the cup, which is separate. Oh, okay. So in the league, the uh, the Kreisliga A is split into two groups. Uh, because there's like 20 teams Got across the, the region of Dortmund. So the two group leaders play each other and the winner of that goes up to the sixth tier, wow. which is called the Berserksliga. Wow. That's interesting. They should have the option to jump at least a couple. Which 
Uh, I was listening back to an uh, English language um, podcast interview that the the head of women's football, Svenja Schlenker, did uh, earlier this year. And she was saying about 50% of the squad is probably of quality two leagues up where we are uh, now. So like fifth tier. So, you know, it's not like we've brought in like these ringers from like the top division or anything to like pull us up. You know, these are players a couple divisions yeah. up. Um, so they have been expected to win. I don't think they were expected to win by quite the level that they have, but the team has really clicked and you can see that progression from, you know, the early friendlies all the way through, like these last few games, they've, they've just looked really great and they're getting, uh, uh, they're getting, uh, contributions from the entire squad. They've rotated really well and, and used, uh, 22 of their 24 players. They have two players who ended up being too young to take part. In the league, uh, that was not initially known when they were offered the the position on the team. Uh, they were just a little bit too young. They were offered the opportunity to go back to their old clubs, but they chose to stay and train with the team. So I'm very excited to see them play next year. Wow, really cool. That's incredible. Um, um, on the ahead. note of player, I was going to get into your your uh, one of the Twitter questions. I mean, you had one from uh, Dre. There's multiple questions in there, but as you were just alluding to the next season moving up a division and then players, uh, standout players and who you think might uh, move on. Do you want to jump into that question? Questions, I guess. Uh, So I think who might move on, like leave the team. Yeah. Hopefully nobody. Um, I I don't think anyone's uh, snooping around to sign players because I don't exactly know how many divisions of German women's football are professional. Uh, but, these are amateur players right now. So, I mean, if somebody came with a professional contract, it might be tempting, but I don't think any of the players are, are quite there yet. Um, so in terms of standout players, I mean, we have, uh, <laughs> there's so many, where do I even start with? Um, I'll, I'll go with, uh, Anna Zabel. Uh, she just scored two goals and assisted two more in the last match and had two pre-assists if you're into that sort of thing all in the last match. She now has 25 goals for the season. And this is a player who started the year as a center back and then kind of moved up defensive mid now attacking wow. mid. She's like, they play like a double 10, essentially a four, one, four, one. And uh, yeah, she's got 25 goals and I think it's nine assists across all competitions now. Yeah. Vanessa Heim has 23 goals and 23 assists. Uh, so just a, an incredible provider as well. These are like like uh, Wayne Gretzky type numbers rather yeah. than like football. Yeah. Um, and what's cool is Vanessa Heim also works for the club as like a, a coach at the Biva Bay uh, Ivanic Football Academy. And and uh, I think she actually might work in marketing at the club as well. Uh, so there's a couple of uh, club employees that are, are on the team as well, which is very exciting. We also have Hannah Guzman, who is – um, probably the player that I would worry the most about professional teams uh, looking at. Uh, she's only 17 years old and has missed a lot of the season and still has 22 goals. Uh, she's just a, a lethal finisher and is amazing to watch. And Katrin Lau is another one that has a ton of goals and assists. She's got 19 goals, 10 assists. Uh, I could go on. Uh, so I will, <laughs> maybe you can stop me there. If Leah, Leah Roach Harper is another uh, Herper who's a I'm, a I'm a huge fan of. She's just this. She's basically their Bellingham. Like if you combined Passlack's size and Bellingham's tenacity into one player, this is her. That's sick. And she, 
she had gotten assist after assist after assist all season long. But then in the last three games, she's exploded for six goals. So that's been so much fun to see because she's deserved it. She's played great. And of course, the defense, I, I, mm-hmm. they've allowed three goals all year across all competition. So you got to mention defenders like Marina Young, uh, Virginia Glenzer, uh, Lisa Clement is the captain. She has actually played second or third division. So she's the most experienced player uh, in terms of uh, a high division played. And uh, yeah, they have a lot of young players who fill out the roster as well. We've got like 17 year olds that are getting a ton of minutes and it's very exciting to see. It's incredible all around. I was going on the list with you. I'm, I'm a fan of the few of the players, like you mentioned, like Vanessa Heim and everything. I've I've been following some of them, and it's just incredible numbers all around. Especially because so many of them have you know taken on different roles and excelled in expect all expectations and pretty much every role that they've been thrown into. And so yeah, it's 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 awesome to see. Um, Adam, I am curious how. I guess how you got really interested in in following this team um, so in, in depth. Like, have you always been like a, a champion of women's sports, which props to you because more people need to get behind it and, and support it in general, I think around, around the world. But what was your, um, how, how'd you decide or want to get into it? And I mean, everything that you do with your website and follow the team so closely, I know you mentioned before, like you're kind of a source where you'll provide video and stuff. You'll post something on, on, uh, it's for, it's for baseball statistics, if I'm not wrong, correct. And then you, you, this was kind of like a different project. Yeah, I mean, the day job is I, I work for Sports Reference. We make baseball reference, basketball reference, FB ref, if you're uh, familiar with that as well. And uh, I, I love stats. So part of this was me wanting to to have a resource for, um, well, I, I guess I started off by tracking the, the hockey style scoring data for the men's team. I've actually scrapped that part of the site for now because oh, okay. All of my traffic was the women's data, which cool. is awesome. So I just yeah. went all in and and blew that out with player pages and match logs and uh, match results and formations and stuff like that because there is a gap in in finding that data as well. And I didn't expect to you know follow this team as closely as I have, but a few things clicked. Like I enjoyed creating the site. It's a fun project. I get to do some coding, which I don't really get to do in my, my uh, day job these days, which don't, don't get me wrong. I love my day job. <laughs> um, but uh, then the fact that we could watch pretty much every match, like there's been like three or four that weren't broadcast. And that's just a couple of the, the fields that don't have um, the equipment to, to stream. And I mean, the players themselves are very friendly, responsive. Um, you know, I, I can ask a question about something that happened in a game and they're totally willing to, to respond. The club itself uh, has been super responsive as well. Uh, I have a guy there, Danny Fritz, who if, if there's a game that's not broadcast, I just say, all right, where do these assists come from? Help me out here. Fill out my data. Uh I mean, at, over the winter break, they sent me a signed jersey that's behind me. And, and nice. I, I'm so appreciative of that, that uh, jersey signed by the team. It was just a lovely thing. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, when I opened the box, I saw the size. I'm like, wait, this is too small. And then I realized what it is. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, and, you know, just being part of something from the ground up yeah. uh, with with the, the club that, you know, I love. And, you know... Th- I, I love following the men's team. This is certainly nothing on the men's team, but you know, I'm not really super into like the big champions league, you know, competitions and stuff like that. I, I you know, just kind of like following a club just because 
of who they are. And I, yeah. I identify so deeply with this club. So rather than like following football outside of Dortmund, I've really just kind of gone all in on like, you know, checking out what's going on within the club itself. And that's, that's why uh, when, when the women's team started, I was excited to, to start, you know, publishing content on my site for it. And it really just took off from there because people responded to it and it was <laughs> just a magical season. Yeah. That's awesome. That's- I mean, that that's how we, I mean, we found you too, is I had put out a tweet about, um, I just asked, was it, does anyone know anybody who, who knows anything about the Dortmund women's team? Cause I couldn't find anything. Um, and then someone had tagged you and then that's how we linked up and it was yeah, super cool. Cause you, you are, I feel like you're the guy, you're the, you're the source. I was going to say, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. That you're able to, you know, communicate with the team and uh, the team the, Dorman is in general is really good at, in my opinion, at communicating with fans and, and different, you know, supporters and people that want to get involved in general. So it's cool then to do that. And obviously incredible for you to be a part of a project like this. I mean, you really are a part of something that's really special. And uh, like you said, building from the ground up, you know, people really appreciate the work you do. So yeah, that's, it's a beautiful site. And thank you again for everything. And thank you for coming on. I, I was saying that like we were ending the episode, but we do like, got to jump out in here? very, very quick <laughs> predictions for, for Berlin, but I would just oh. want to get that out well, there. Yeah. Real, real quick. Uh, Adam, if you want to quickly, I mean, we're going to link everything in the uh, yeah. description of this episode, but how can people follow you for more updates about the women? How can people follow the women? And then uh, your website, what is all that? Yeah. Luckily, if you just Google uh, Borussia Dortmund women or Borussia Dortmund frown, it'll come up now uh, since I've gone all in on, on, uh, just making the site about this one topic, but uh, Dorowski.com, D-A-R-O-W-S-K-I.com slash BVB is where I have the site. Uh, you can also follow the women's team on Instagram. I believe it's BVB 09 frown on Instagram. Yep. They, they post all the updates there. Um, and there is a section on the Dortmund website that has all the news reports about the women as well as well as profiles on all the players, which I have a lot of that data on my site too. Uh, Yeah. And that's pretty much the way to do it. Yeah. I live tweet as many games as I can. I was going to say, did they jack all that data from you? I feel like you had it first. (laughs) No, (laughs) luckily the Danny, who I referred to earlier, he's like literally the stadium announcer. When, when one of them scores a goal, he announces it and he's, he's the other, uh, uh, Brucey Dortmund women's data nut out there. and, And we bond over that. Like, we, we just make sure that our data is in sync and, yeah, and stuff yeah, like that's that. That's cool. That's really awesome. That's beautiful. All right. Okay. So yeah, this, this Saturday home at home versus Berlin, last game of the season, last home game. I don't know how many send offs we're going to have. Uh, it's it's going to be a bittersweet day. Do we have uh, any predictions or things we want to see in general? It could be the scoreline. It could be any sort of, you know, send offs we're looking to see anything. I'm going to say we at least score four because I think Holland's going to get two or three. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could imagine that as well. So, Adam? I was going to go 5-1 with the uh, inevitable goal by like <laughs> like Marco Richter or Ishak Belfadil or something like that. I was just about to say, you can, you can never get, escape those no matter who we're playing and what kind of form we're in. We're always, we're always due for uh, not keeping a clean sheet, unfortunately. Both I'm, of them actually have scored a brace against Dortmund in the past. Yep. So hopefully it's just one this time though. <laughs> um, I'm going to, it's just some different predictions that I'm hoping will happen is one Berkey starting. I guess that's, yeah, just we'll wait and see it. It's, I guess, to, uh, to be determined for that. 
I'm hoping Holland scores a brace. I can imagine he at least scores at the very minimum one. I mean, he's going to be giving his heart and soul for that last game. Hopefully two, hopefully three, but my guess or my prediction is going to be a brace for him. I'd like to see a TIFO for Zork, which I already mentioned that before, but I think it'd be beautiful for him to, you know, get the applause that he deserves and the, the standing ovation that he deserves and all the great work he's done behind the scenes for this team for I don't know how long now. Um, and then as well as I'm hoping for a clean sheet, but I'm, I'm probably going to go for conceding one as well, and I'll go for a 4-1. Cool. Um, so Saturday at 9.30 Eastern time? Yeah. 6.30 Pacific. Um, I know we mentioned it before. Carver and I have not... Well, I mean, this episode, thanks to Adam being here and then the last, a couple weeks ago with Josh, we did talk a lot about transfers and incomings and outgoings. Um, we appreciate all the questions because those are the questions we get most week after week because yeah. like someone will have a bad game. And they're like, God, oh, should this person leave? <laughs> I'm like, well, hmm. maybe. I don't know. And so, but with, with all that being said... Now that the season is wrapping, we are going to be back next week with a, an episode to recap that game specifically, and then we'll probably get into a bunch of transfer and next season, what what we're going to look into and everything. Yeah, so we'll have a we'll, whole we'll separate episode to break down the season and everything like that, yeah. So it's coming, and we appreciate the questions. We appreciate the tweets. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the ratings. We appreciate Adam coming on as well. Hey, Ed. And when the women have those two massive games in a four-day stretch, I'll be sure to get you guys a, a recap. Please yes. do. Yeah, Please and we'll do. be. I mean, we'll be tweeting. I like to. Anytime I see that you're like live tweeting a game, I'll I'll try to get in there. It ha- hasn't happened a lot lately because well, sometimes on the weekends if I can't catch a game, which Adam, I've noticed you you do too. Like you'll jump on like 15 hours later. You're like, oh, I finally watched the men's game. That's it happens to me a lot where I can't watch live, and then I just put my phone on Do Not Disturb, and I'll like go mm-hmm. like a whole weekend without even texting anyone yeah. back because i'm like i'm off the grid yeah i can't see anything oh, i can't but. go to sleep without watching it but <laughs> yeah. a lot of times i am i'm doing it much later in the the day or evening yeah but yeah. with that said we will uh we'll be sure to put out all the info and, and give you the retweets and and we always like to anytime there's a match coming up we always put it in the description and we'll, we'll get that info posted too but uh yeah i think that does it for this week adam thank you Again, so much for joining us. You're welcome back anytime, really. Of course. Yeah, you really are, man. We're, we love having you on. Thank you for everything. I really enjoy chatting with you guys. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. We will uh, see you back next week. See you. Bye. Bye.